Welcome to the Under 8 Podcast, a daily college basketball show brought to you every weekday in under eight minutes at the time of recording. It is Wednesday, November 29th, 11.50 p.m. My name is Josh Molnix. On today's pod, UNC drops a massive 100-piece on Tennessee. Arkansas gets a huge win over Duke at home, and Villanova loses again in the Big Five Classic. It's all right now on the Under 8 Podcast. Two things we don't see very often, Josh. We don't see Tennessee score 92 very often. And we certainly don't see Tennessee lose very often when they score 92. Both of those things happened on Wednesday night. 100-92, to 92, North Carolina beats the Volunteers in one of the more impressive offensive performances in recent memory for me in college basketball. Yeah, I went back, and unless I missed something, the only other team to break 90 since the 2018-19 season against Tennessee was Kentucky. And we're talking about a handful of 80-plus point games. Like you said, this just doesn't happen. And the interesting part of this is, I mean, the first half, Rick Barks called it the worst half he's had as Tennessee's head coach. That's how bad it was. Mm-hmm. And yet, they were still kind of sort of in the game there for a little bit. They they do have the ability to make up for some defensive deficiencies because of Dalton Connect. That didn't exist in years past. However, the other part of that is they are not good enough around him offensively, as we've talked about before to not have the defensive foundation and give up 60 plus points and a half and beat a really good basketball team on the road. I can't decide if I'm more frustrated by the fact that Dalton connect had 37 and you still lost the game or if I'm, impressed that at several different points in the second half, I thought that maybe Tennessee was mounting a comeback almost all the way up until connect goes down with a couple minutes left and an ankle injury. I was, I was balancing the two basically the entire, basically the entire night of, I can't decide if this is just only a bad thing or if this is kind of something that is a good thing to see just from an experience perspective that you can just like score a bunch of points. If you need to, you can give the ball to Dalton connect, whatever it might be. I, I, I can't decide. Of course, I'd rather not Tennessee give up a hundred points to anybody, especially when they're going to hang their hat on the defensive end, like they do. And, you know, we talk plenty about Dalton connect being kind of that missing piece offensively and when it comes to creativity you've at least got to do enough defensively to make his 37 point nights uh not go down uh you know on nights where you end up with a loss in the loss category and both things can be true Mm -hmm. you can simultaneously look at it and say they do have the ability to for example get back into a game which is not something you felt confident about right if they went down eight points you don't love their chances of finding a way to get back into the game. Mm -hmm. 
they showed you they can quickly overturn a deficit. They can put a big run together because Dalton Connect can go do what he did. On the other part of this, the other, the other side of that, as you mentioned, he just tied the most points ever scored by an emo- opposing player in the Dean Dome. This was a historically great performance. He did so right with not even being able to play the entire game because of that ankle injury. You're not getting this every night. <laughs> this was, as good as he's been, a spectacular performance even for him this season. So, yes, it's nice to know that you have this potential that he can go drop 35 and that you have the, and you have this quick strike offense that can potentially get you back into games. Also, it's not like you can just unload this whenever you want because he was something special. And you did waste an opportunity here. They could have beat anybody in the country if they played defense in the first half with what they did offensively. Yeah, you know, on the other side of things for UNC, the thing that jumps off the page immediately is they went to the charity stripe 38 times, 32 of 38. It was RJ Davis, Harris Ingram, and Armando Baycott that Harrison Ingram uh, that combined for nearly 70 points. Uh, that's where a lot of it came from. Cormac Ryan, 15 points off the bench. The, you know, it's not like Carolina. Absolutely. Now it was, it was not great in the second half from a percentage perspective. It was really that first half that, that, you know, built up that lead and had, and had some really impressive numbers, but ultimately, you know, 46% from the field, 42% from the three point line is, is certainly something that's, that's noteworthy, but that 32 of 38, it's a lot easier to score hundred points when you're going to go to the charity stripe 38 times. Yeah, Baycott's numbers don't jump off the page in terms of his field goals and things like that. But the free throws are what stands out. And that Mm -hmm. tells you how much of a problem he was in this game for Tennessee, especially in that first half. They just could not deal with him. He Mm -hmm. definitely imposed his will. Yeah, getting to the free throw line a bunch. They just, Tennessee could not guard them. And it showed itself in, yeah, the 38 free throw opportunities. And you take advantage of them. You're a good offensive team. That's a combination you get to 100. Not too bad for Hubert Davis's squad, a 192 win over, over Tennessee. In Fayetteville, Arkansas 80, Duke 75, uh, an Arkansas team that we couldn't start stop talking enough about what do they do well, um, what's going on with Eric Musselman's squad, and apparently the get-right game just needed the Duke Blue Devils to come into town. Trevon Brazil, a double-double, 19 points, 11 rebounds. Uh, Caleb Battle off the bench, 21-5-5. Five five. Uh, those two guys leading the way in the scoring department, and the Razorbacks get a much-needed win, and it's one that you can start to build a very real resume around with a win over a team like Duke. It was just the exact opposite of everything that happened over Thanksgiving. They were really good defensively. (laughs) And Trevin Brazil was all over the place. I don't even know if that stat line, as good as it was, does justice to how much of an impact he made. And they actually moved the ball. 17 assists. Hit their threes. They found a way to not play iso ball, but to capitalize on their offensive firepower and to actually make each other better. Now, 
the frustrating part for Musselman will be the near debacle at the end because they should have won this game by 10, 12, 14 points. This was not competitive until it was because they couldn't handle pressure and Kyle Filipowski just kept getting to the free throw line, kept getting layups, hit a three. And so Duke was hanging in there until the last five seconds. But there was no, there's no debating which team deserved to win this game. Duke was 24 of 67 from the field, 6 to 22 from three. You had, you know, Filipowski really came out in the second half and ended up with a really good stat line. Jeremy Roach had a really good game. TJ Power kept getting more and more minutes because he was actually doing some positive things. Everybody else really struggled. And again, it just looked to me like Duke got out toughed. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a theme. It's my concern for this team. It's why I've cooled off on them considerably. Well, I've cooled off considerably because the freshmen aren't reliable and Tyrese Proctor isn't an All-American guard like he was supposed to be. That's the other part of the problem. Yeah. I mean, Proctor, relative to expectations heading into the year, is probably on the list of the more underwhelming performances thus far. Especially in some of the in some of the big moments. I mean, like you said, Filipowski, twenty six and ten, nine of twenty. You probably want him to ultimately be a little bit more efficient than that. Jeremy Roach, twenty two on seven of thirteen shooting. But you know, Proctor was three of twelve, and the freshman. You know, this this group of guys that was was just as important to the ceiling as, as some of those other guys that were coming back was five of 22 from the field. And that was with the guy in TJ power going two of two from the field. And he didn't play against Michigan state or Arizona. So, you know, the guys that you've been asking to produce guys like Jared McCain, guys like Caleb Foster, like those two guys combined were one of 12 and if those, you know, if those things aren't going to happen in big games, then Duke is is going to to struggle. And you're right; there's some toughness questions. I think you're. I think those are fair to ask. But from a overwhelming talent perspective that we were expecting to see from the Blue Devils this year, there are some things that need to 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 round into form if we're going to see that version of Duke on a consistent basis. And Mark Mitchell lost his spot down the stretch as well. Mm-hmm. He also had a really poor game. Yeah, it just it was Roach and Filipowski after his early foul trouble once he got going. The two of them, TJ Power kind of held it together while Filipowski was on the bench, and that was about all you got. Mm-hmm. And that is simply not good enough to beat Arkansas in that building in front of a record crowd playing really well. Really fun night inside Bud Walton for sure. Uh, lots of fun in 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 Fayetteville, and Arkansas eighty to seventy five gets a a big win that they needed in in a lot of ways. Josh, this season Villanova has beaten Memphis. They've beaten North Carolina. They've beaten Texas Tech. They've beaten Maryland. They have lost to Penn, and they have lost to St. Joseph's. They're zero and two. In the Big Five Classic this year, 0-2. St. Joe's doing something that they haven't done in almost two decades, which continues to add into the these things did not happen when Jay Wright was the coach of Villanova. It was a 78-65 loss at home for Kyle Neptune's Wildcats, and I officially don't know what to do with Villanova. That's... 
maybe it's it's just a, well if they play well they play really well and if they pl- don't play well they play really poorly mm-hmm. because they much like Arkansas they just look like two different teams and this was one of those games where they just couldn't make shots they attempted seven fewer field goals because they turned the ball over. They made four fewer threes, despite the fact that they took 10 more of them. Mm -hmm. This team's going to shoot threes. It's a good shooting team until it's not. (laughs) And then kind of your supporting cast, Burton, Bamba, Armstrong, 11 combined points. Now you did get some contributions off the bench, which is how you got to 65, but it just has to be, it just has to be better because they're outside of that Memphis game. They're just not a elite defensive team. That's going to hold every team to 65, 68 points. Mm-hmm. So you got to be able to score in the mid seventies. And they certainly were not able to do that in this one. Yeah. You know, at some point, I, I would, I would describe Villanova as a good three point shooting team. But right now, the numbers will tell you they're sub-150 three-point shooting team. And in terms of style, take the fourth, they have the fourth highest three-point field goal to field goal attempt percentage. Yep. So if those two things, and, and you know, it's not that cut and dry because they also beat North Carolina on a night where they went five of 22 from the three-point line. So of course, it's not that cut and dry, but you look at the pen game, 9 of 33, 27%. You look at this game, they were 10 of 37, 27%. And a team that doesn't have a ton of guys, you know, going to the line over and over again. They only took 14 free throws in this one. Um, it's it's just they are just one of those teams, it seems, that sometimes that that shooting the basketball well is going to be crucial for them and it might not it might not only be crucial against good teams but even teams like like St. Joseph's and and that that seems like a shot at St. Joseph's clearly uh clearly Billy Lang's squad is for real they inexplicably lose to Texas A&M Commerce but you take Kentucky to overtime you beat Villanova you know, clearly there's something going on there, but uh, if you're Villanova, you you just can't let this type of game ruin your momentum that you got from from the Bahamas. This has very Alabama vibes to me. The more interesting, about it, which is the exact opposite of what you expect from Villanova from a program standpoint. Mm-hmm. But it's the look if it goes right and the formula works, they can beat anybody in the country. They can look like the best team in the country. And when it doesn't go well, they're going to do the exact same thing, which is shoot a bunch of threes. And if they don't make them, it's going to look pretty bad. Mm. And it's just a question of how they're feeling that day. In the, the th- Now, it's early. Maybe they can figure this out. Maybe they can kind of adjust the way that they do things. But this is a very interesting thing f- to keep an eye on for me because I don't put predictably inconsistent as a descriptor of Villanova, but that's as you laid out, that's the point we're getting to here with how this season mm-hmm. is unfolding. The and the thing about th- those Alabama teams was that those Alabama teams were elite defensively. That's the other part. Yes, and this Villanova team is is probably not. Yeah, 
So we'll see how it continues for for Kyle Neptune's squad. I think, you know, despite it's been very up and down so far this year, and I'm not sure you can blame anybody if they're not any more convinced by Kyle Neptune than they were when when the season started. The way that the, the way that the first month of the season has gone it doesn't get much easier for for Villanova. They play Kansas State, they play UCLA. And then you hop right into Creighton uh, to start Big East play. They play, as of right now, five of their next six games are against Kempom top, top 65 opponents. So it's it's not going to get much easier. And if it's going to remain kind of up and down, that's probably what we're going to see over the next month or so for, for Villanova. Josh, anything else uh, before we get out of here? Colorado State, very impressive. Huge day for the ACC. Yep. I, I know you had Duke go down, but from a conference-building standpoint, for Virginia to beat Texas A&M, for the conference to keep racking up these wins, for North Carolina to beat Tennessee. Wake Forest. Wake right. Forest beat Florida. Beat Florida. Right. We talked about can Florida kind of string together these performances? Nope. There's no. a loss they probably shouldn't have had. Yeah. Just from an overall conference standpoint, trying to build the ACC back. This was a huge couple days with what has gone on so far. Very, very good showing. And some questions to be asked about the SEC. Very interesting for sure. For sure. Very interesting. That's going to do it for the Under 8 Podcast for Wednesday, November 29th. It's now just after midnight after Duke, Arkansas, UNC, Tennessee, um, and and plenty of other things that happened in the sport this evening. Be sure to, to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your shows. Follow the Andre Pod on Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. And we'll see you tomorrow. Thank you so much for being here.